Hi everyone, today uh, we're going to be talking about, surprise, surprise, another book. And surprise, book. surprise, yeah, book. Oh my god. Right? That's crazy. Isn't I, it? I, lead us, what's happening today? It's surprise, surprise, it's another non-fiction book. Who would have thought? I know, right? Uh, but before I even like dive in, I guess, on the book, I guess we should introduce ourselves. Who are you today, Phoebe? What is the name? <clears throat> First of all, you said, who are you today, Phoebe, which is pretty counterintuitive. Right. But um, my name is Penelope. Nice to meet you all. Um, hope I'm here for a fun time, not a long time. I hope we have a great time together. Oh, today it's going to be a kind of a lecture. I have a feeling it'll be a bit of a lecture. I think a you're going to Yeah, we're going to need that comedic relief from you because it's very uh textbooky. <clears throat> well, guys, I said I was here for a fun time, not a long time. I think I have to step out now. <laughs> you know, I feel like I've done my work already. I I feel like we've had fun. We don't need to dive in further things like that we could just take a step back go back to bed whatever everyone's doing just go back to that yeah you you could honestly skip this episode if you're not into me lecturing you guys oh i can okay i'm gonna I'm not gonna you though it. like you're you're first to sit and listen but everyone else if you want to skip this episode that's fine as long as i get to vent <clears throat> about books it's fine all is good but I yeah started up booted up my boy all right today we're gonna be talking about a book uh, it's actually also i know i said this last week i know i said it to every other book not every other but a lot of them that we've done already um this is a f my favorite book surprise surprise another favorite you said, you said that about every book you can't be saying my favorite book for every book that's just okay, no 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 i've said it only three times so far in all of the episodes that we've shot, I've only said it three times. Recite to me which ones you've said it. Okay, I said it to Atomic Habits. Uh -huh. I said it to Man's Search for Meaning. And now uh -huh. this week with Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahnema, Kahneman. Okay, I'll, I'll believe you just because I forgot half of the book's names. Well, if ever, if anyone wants to fact check me, you can. There is probably over like 10 hours of content on Spotify. So you're more than welcome to fact check. But I'm pretty sure those were the only three that I've said so far. Um, but this one, this book, Thinking Fast and Slow by Daniel Kahneman, is a mind-blowing book. Like I think while I was reading it, there is a lot of stuff that I kind of knew already because um, – I was taught it in school, um, but he really dives deep and like I think I feel like at school I would I would just like learn the surface of concepts and in this book he really he pulled up he did not come to play you know so get ready to get schooled today Phoebe you're you're not I ready I don't for like this. that you don't funny like that your funny story instead okay tell us. <laughs> That has nothing to... Actually, you know what? Look, watch this. I'm going to make it related. So, mm -hmm. thinking fast and slow. Yeah, for sure. So, um, today, this morning, um, the date for us is the 24th of August. Yeah. Um, my mom pulls in my room and she's like, hey, daughter. Uh, and I'm like, what's up, mother? And she goes, you see these rings? And she's flashing all these rings, right? And now I'm like, yeah. And she goes, oh, so these used to fit me when I was younger, but now they don't fit me anymore. So they might fit you because you have small hands, right? Note, I have short and stubby fingers. She's yeah. got, like, short and thin fingers. And when she was younger, they were, like, really skinny. You know what I mean? Skin and bones. Yeah, skin and bones. So I'm here, and I see a ring, and I'm like, okay. And so... I try it on my ring finger, right? Because obviously it's not going to fit through my middle finger. My index is bigger than my ring finger. And my pinky, it's just too small. Right. So I try it on the ring finger. And I tell her confidently. I look her dead in the eye. And I say, it'll fit. Oh, boy. <laughs> she goes, no. okay. 
Because essentially, all I had to do was just push a little bit for it to go in, right? You push a so little pushed, too much, though, and... I pushed, and I got it in, and I was like, see, look, it fits. And she goes, all right, great, that's good. And she's like, give it back now. <laughs> so I go, okay. I could not get the fucking ring off my finger. I was trying to pull it off, and I thought I was going to rip my finger off because I could not... Like, I guess maybe I have, like, too much skin at the freaking bottom part of my finger or something. But mm -hmm. I could not pull it out of me. So, you see, I thought fast initially when um, I was putting the ring on. And then my brain turned real slow when I had to take it off. So <laughs> then uh, we were debating putting soap and oil. But I managed to, like, rip it off my finger completely before then. Uh -huh. uh, it just hurt really bad. Like, I had a scrape on my finger because of it. You know, we get it, Phoebe. The reality is that you wanted to keep the ring, didn't you? It was an ugly ring. Oh, okay. You remember that? Okay, okay. There's a bunch of rings. They're they're pretty old. They're they're like okay, by Vintage. pretty old, I yeah, I I mean it in a sense that they look old, but they also look like they're for older people. You hmm. see. That's what I mean in that sense. So it wouldn't suit me in the first place. Okay. I'm happy it's not stuck on my finger forever. Like some people's wedding rings. No. A That's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing. Okay. I thought you were, who you want, were roasting. No, who, wanted, who wouldn't want to keep their wedding ring on? That's true. No, so yeah. But a uh, cool story, bro. Yeah, thanks. Who? I lost a finger today. Yeah, you did. You have all nine fingers. Nice. <laughs> That's Not hot. Now people are going to believe us. All right, go. That's hot. Go take us Powerpuff. Okay. Um, okay, so the book, I, I, I'll i do a little quick overview of it. Um, it's very, very, it's textbooky. I'm going to be honest. It's very textbooky, but personally, I really like reading nonfiction novels that are more of a textbook i don't really like when um nonfiction novels are told in like a storytelling way i feel like it's it puts me to sleep surprisingly it puts me to sleep but a textbook though mm, that looks hot i'm down for that i know it's it's cringe i know i know but um okay yeah so the book is divided into four parts i am really only gonna go through the first and the second because i feel like the third and the fourth is very um like there's math involved and a bit of like stats and things like that. And it's just very difficult to explain verbally on a podcast. So if ever anyone's interested, then you're more than welcome to read the book. But essentially, so the title is called Thinking Fast and Slow. And the reason for that is because he starts the book by talking about two systems. And those two systems are pretty much the way that our brains work and the way we think. And essentially what he calls those systems in this book is system one and system two. I know, very creative. You can tell that this author is an artsy person, clearly. Yeah. But um, here, I could give like a little scenario that really like um, makes it easier to grasp the difference between system one and system two. So Phoebe, imagine this. Yes. Imagining. Imagine. You're one of the first human beings on Earth. You're in the caveman era. You know, like the okay. beginning of humanity. I am Eve. Yes. And you're walking with your child and you see a lion. You've never seen a lion before and you don't really know what it is, really, because it's your first encounter with a lion. So you approach it with your child. And to obviously... What? To pet the cat. To pet the cat, yeah. And obviously, unfortunately, the lion eats your child and you barely manage to survive the attack. So you go home and you're saddened by the death of your child. But it's okay because you just impregnate your wife again and in five years you have a new kid. So that's fine. And now, Dad, five years later, now, bro? you're a guy. You're a guy. A guy. You should have said that from the beginning. Oh, Sorry. Okay, my bad. But you're a dude. I just assumed your gender. You're a dude in this scenario, okay? Okay. 
So five years later, once again, you're walking around with your new kid and you encounter a lion again. But this time, you know not to approach the lion. So you and your child, you're hiding from the lion and you just wait for it to, to leave. And fortunately, this time, you both survive the encounter. So you come out of your hiding spot and you start walking around with your kid again. Then suddenly, a bird flies over above you guys and your kid just drops dead. So what happens? You go back home and you're saddened by the loss of your second kid. But it's okay, though. You just impregnate your wife again. And this time, you promise yourself that your third child will be protected from lions and birds. You'll make sure to always hide from lions and ensure birds never fly over you. Now, what's wrong with this way of thinking? Like, what do you grasp from this scenario? Yeah, it, it feels like a person who's like, I'll only believe if I see it with my own eyes. You know, mm -hmm. it just feels like you have to experience everything terribly before you realize to make a change. Like, they don't have a quote-unquote, I guess, fear factor. I don't think that's the right wording for it, but they don't have, like, the things that we humans are supposed to have that are supposed to make us be like, oh, I don't want to approach this. Oh, this seems scary, you know? Mm -hmm. What about think, the way yeah. that you kind of learn to you know, not approach a lion and no, hide from birds. Saying. Like, it's, it's dumb because it's just, like, you have to experience something tragic in order for you to learn from it and be like, oh, hey, maybe I shouldn't do this. Okay. And that's your interpretation of the scenario? Yeah. Okay. You're looking so, at, at your screen like I've missed the big point, the big juicy meat. Not really, but you're missing, like, you got one-ish and you're missing the second. So pretty much what the author is, was talking about in this scenario is to discuss the two ways that we think. You remember how I mentioned system one and system two, two right? And both decisions that you made uh, to hide from the lions and to never walk under a bird were based on a fast and automatic thought process, which Kahneman calls system one. So by encountering a lion, you quickly learned, I should not approach a lion, otherwise I'm going to die. They'll attack okay. me. It was quick. It was automatic. You didn't, like, sit and rationally think for hours on end, oh, maybe I, I shouldn't. I should do. Yeah. It was a fight or flight response, you know? Yeah. If you saw a lion, you ran for it. So... That's pretty much the basis of system one, really. It's fast and it's an automatic thought process. It's a quick decision that you make in a situation or in a moment. And typically what we find, well, what Kahneman finds in system one is where he, he argues that it's irrational sometimes and illogical, and it could lead us to look down on a system one thought process, right? Because... Like, if you think about hiding from a lion, that makes sense, right? But then never walking under a bird because your kid dropped dead, there's no logic to that. It was just, this happened, therefore now you know don't walk under a bird. But did the bird kill your, your child? No. You know what I mean? Yeah. Are you following? Well, you, I feel like you're confused. You, you, so, no, no, no. The thing is, you did say caveman era, so technically we don't really know all the birds there yeah. too well. Yeah. So maybe, maybe you know, maybe once upon a time, definitely not, um, there is some poisonous trail bird, I don't know, you know, like, it's just, mm -hmm. yeah, no, but I, I get, I get the whole, like, premise, I get the point, but. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the thing, it's like, what he's trying to say is, he's not trying to look down on that way of thinking, it ensured that we survived as a yeah. human species, right? It ensures that we don't die from lions and, you know, never walking under a bird so your kid doesn't drop dead abruptly again, you know? Does it make sense logically, that whole reasoning? No, but at least you managed to survive, right? So that's the premise of system one, really. It's quick, it's automatic, it's sometimes irrational, sometimes illogical, but it's necessary to our survival, you know? And then on the other hand, system two is more of a slow and rational and logical thought process. So in the scenario, um, if the father had used the system two approach, he would have understood that he was right about the lion, but the bird had nothing to do with the death of his child, 
right? Like if he took some time to rationally think about it, the lion makes sense. The kid literally got attacked from a lion, but the bird had absolutely nothing to do. It just flew over you, right? Yeah, like the kid could have been sick or something. We just don't know what's happening. Could have been anything. We don't know. But if he used the system to thought process instead, he would have and was more rational about it, he would have understood that, oh, there's a multitude of factors that could have impacted um, his, his child, right? So the whole part one of the book is really the premise of the two systems and truly understanding system one and system two. And the reason why he starts with that, it's, it's incredibly important to understand those two ways of thinking because in our everyday lives, you would be surprised to see how it in- impacts us to this day. And um, I'll give you an example. So we said system one is automatic, intuitive set of thought process by which people often make decisions without su- consciously aware of it. You know, it's just a quick response to a scenario. Whereas system two is more you're deliberate, you're rational, but what Kahneman argues is that it's often lazy and that's what kind of like creates problems in our lives because activating system two every single time, it's a lot on, you know, it's a lot, right? You can't always be thinking rationally in every single scenario. We need system one as well. So what happens pretty much like he wants what he talks about is what happens when those two systems come into conflict and has to do something that might be counterintuitive, right? Because remember, we said system one is intuitive. What happens if you have to do something that is counterintuitive? Such as one experiment, actually, and I'll have you kind of like react to it, is what if you have to make sense of seemingly contradictory visual data? And there's something called, for the viewers that are interested, there's something called the Muller-Lear illusion. Do you know what it is, Phoebe? No. Okay, perfect. No, 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 don't Google it. Don't Google it. I'm going to have you react to it. Don't Google it, okay? Well, aren't you just going to send me the Google thing anyways then? Yeah, but if you Google it, you'll find the solution. That's why. So I'm going to send it to you, and you tell me what you think, okay? I'll send it to you on Facebook, I guess. One second. I'm awaiting your message. Yes, madam. One second, please. My internet is slow. I can see that. (laughs) Damn, what the hell? I can't paste anything? Okay, I'm going to screenshot. Sorry for the technical difficulties. I'm kind of a boomer, you know? The Mueller... What again? I won't tell you what it is because you're going to Google it. But I'm not Googling. My hand's not on my keyboard. It's called the Mueller-Lear illusion. So I sent it to you. Do you see it? Yeah. Okay. Now tell me, which one of the lines is longer? Which one? The top or the bottom? They're the same. Why? It's just because the arrow's pointing out or in, right? So that's why you would think that the top one is the shorter one. But in reality, the middle bar is the same. The arrows make it appear different. Have you ever seen these two lines before? Um, I mean, I've seen, like, the double arrows things in chemistry. Like, when the arrows are pointing outward. Okay. I've never seen the other one. Okay, that's why. Because I, before when I read it, I've never seen the Muller-Lear illusion before in my life. So I remember when I looked at those two lines, I thought the bottom one was longer. Yeah, the bottom looks longer. It appears longer. It looks, right? So even though, you know, for people who are listening and they don't know what it is, pretty much, like if I had to describe it, there's these two horizontal lines and one, the top one has these arrows that are pointing inwards and then the bottom one has these arrows pointing outwards. And it kind of creates an illusion that the bottom horizontal line looks longer than the top. But in fact, if you take a ruler and you try measuring both lines, it's the exact same measurement. They're both the same length. But what's interesting is that here, it's a perfect example of your system one 
coming into play, right? When you look at it quickly, your instinct is to say the bottom line is longer. Do you agree with that, Phoebe? Yeah, for sure. I said if I just right? looked at it, I would say probably the bottom one's longer. Right. The, the arrow's pointing in, but uh, if, if I think about it, then I know that both lines are the same. Mm-hmm. But you know rationally that both the bottom and the top line are the exact same length. Your system two accepts this information, yet your system one still can't help but still see the bottom line as longer. Right? Do you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, even though I know they're the same length, when I still look at this, the illusion, in my head I know that the bottom is longer, even though rationally I know that they're the same. Right? Yeah, it still appears longer no matter how many times you look at it. Exactly. And the reason why this illusion is noteworthy, mainly it's because it shows the persistence and automaticity with which system one can make a mistake. And this is important because it applies to everyday life, right? Like some things you might look at with your system one in mind, and the reality is that it's not rational, right? So even though in this case it's just like an, a diagram, an illusion of two lines, there's other ways in life where you could use your system one to quickly react to something when the reality, the rational part of it is, you know, proves that your system one is incorrect. So what he's trying to say really is that it takes a conscious restraint. So the exercise of your system two to recognize that one's intuition is making a systematic error in judgment, right? Yeah. So here, this is, a, I guess, another, like, example that he mentions in the book where it kind of explains that if you, you um, like, sometimes what happens is you, the reason why you can't use that rational system two way of thinking is because you might be distracted doing something. Right. Because we can like though, yes, we can multitask, like sometimes it's hard to do multiple tasks at the same time efficiently. Right. We get distracted. And there's an experiment. I'm sure you've heard of it. It was really big back in like, I don't know, early YouTube days. It's called the monkey business illusion, also known as the invisible gorilla. Do you know about it? I have no idea what that is. Let me describe it to you. I'm sure you know what it is. So do you know this experiment where there's like a basketball court and some people are wearing a white shirt and then the other ones are wearing a black shirt and they're passing the ball, a basketball, to each other. And you, as a participant in this experiment, you have to count the amount of passes that are done by people in a white shirt. Okay. Do you know about this? No. Oh my God, really? Okay, let me show you the video then. You should watch it. Oh, wait, I do, I do. And then it says, did you see the gorilla? Yes. And then randomly, Um, there's a gorilla that just passes in the middle of the court. But everyone, like many people miss the gorilla because they're busy thinking about how many passes were done by people in a white shirt. You know what I mean? So you're, you're, um, what is it again? Number two is overworked like is thinking too hard you miss the the small thing is what you're saying you're implying exactly like you're 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 so focused on a task that you miss to see the big picture of something right but now that the people who haven't seen the video now that they know that there's going to be a monkey they're going to see the monkey right exactly that's what ends up happening like the first time when you're watching that video and you're counting the passes, you miss the gorilla. Some people don't, but most people do. And then at the end of the experiment, when they're told that, did you see a gorilla walk by, they watch the video again, and it's as clear as day. And they're like, how did I miss that, right? And that just comes into play with the way we think. Like Sometimes what ends up happening, you shut down one system to focus on a task, and you miss the big picture of something, right? So that's just like another example of how your system one and system two come into play with each other in in an an experiment, pretty much. But so we mentioned that your system two 
uh, is rational and sometimes could be distracted or lazy, right? Let's talk about how our system two could be lazy. And I'll give you another example. This one, you have to be quick though. Like don't actually rationally think about it. Try to answer based off intuition, okay. you know, and it's fine if you give the wrong answer. The whole point of it is to see like what your intuition says. Okay, so I'll give you an example. Here's a simple puzzle, okay? A bat and a ball cost $1.10. The bat costs $1 more than the ball. How much does the ball cost? Okay. Quickly, based off intuition, what, what do you think the answer Ten is? Cents. 10 cents, right? Yeah. I, I had the same answer. I was like, based off intuition, when I answered quickly, the answer to that came to mind was 10 cents. Now, try to think about it rationally. So, so this is where I was there. You were like, okay, and a, a ball and, and a, a bat, bat. Call a, cost a dollar and ten. Mm -hmm. Together, that implies? Together. They cost a dollar and ten, but the bat costs one dollar more than the Than ball. the ball. How much does the ball cost? I could give you the answer if you want. And it's not 10 cents. It's not 10 cents. You know, my, uh, I'll be honest with you. My first intuition when you were saying it, like, I processed. Because I was trying to think fast, right? I was trying yeah. to, you know, I, I processed it, okay? And you said, a ball and a bat cost a dollar and ten. The mm -hmm. bat cost one dollar more than the bat. I was like, two dollars ten. <laughs> and then I was there and I was like, wait, she said with. So I said, she said together. So I was like, no. And then I was like. Oh, $2.10. And I was like, wait, stop thinking about $2.10. <laughs> she said $1.10. So I was like, $1.10. One minus one, ten. Dude, you're I was having like it. a mini stroke thinking you're about it. it. Don't, don't worry about it, though. Like, the whole premise of this problem is to see how your systems interact with each other when you try to solve the problem. And to be honest, when I read that, I physically had to write it out, the problem, to figure out the answer myself. I couldn't, like, you know, mentally think about it. So I'll tell you what the, the answer is, okay? So if you do the math, like, if you actually take the time, if you're a loser like me, a nerd, and you take the time to do the math on a piece of paper, you're going to see that if a ball costs 10 cents, then the total cost would be $1.20, right? 10 cents for the ball and $1.10 for the bat. Do you get that? If your answer no. was 10 cents... Do you get that? Why Why is that? You said a ball and a bat cost yeah. $1.10. If you say, okay, okay, a ball and a bat cost $1.10 and the bat costs $1 more than the ball, right? How much does the ball cost? If you said a ball costs 10 cents, that would create a total cost of $1.20 because you're saying a oh, 10 cents for the 10 ball. Cents plus $1.10. Yes. 10, yes. Okay. That's wrong, right? But it sounds right intuitively when you answer it. Ten cents sounds right. The correct answer is actually five cents. Five cents, yeah. Yeah. See what I mean? So this is another example of how our systems come into play. Like if you actually sit down and put the time into solving this problem, you know the correct answer is five cents. But because we're lazy... We listened to our system one, which quickly told us it's 10 cents, yeah. right? And even though intuitively we thought the answer was right, it's obviously wrong, right? Yeah. So I'll give you another example. Okay? Wait, I have but, a question first. Yes. Is this applicable to, you know, those YouTube videos that kind of been going viral these days where it's like asking people the most basic questions? And then uh, they'll be there, and they'll be like, oh, yeah, how many states in America, blah, blah, right? Mm -hmm. But then there's questions, like math questions, kind of like this, but really simple, like really dumbed down, where mm -hmm. it'll be like, okay, you're going 60 kilometers an hour. Oh, okay, okay. And your mom lives 120 kilometers away from you. How yeah. long will it take you to get to your mom? Yeah. And then people are like 45 minutes. Yeah. Okay. Is that part of the same thing or is that just like 
are they just using their system one only? Is that why they answered questions like that? Yeah, or it's is it pretty they much just that. Genuinely, like, don't know. Well, it might be like sometimes it just depending on like let's say you're asking I don't know an eight year old child I wouldn't be surprised if like a math question doesn't come quickly to mind you know oh, that's and that's the thing. just they're because, not children they're like dead ass adults then yeah it could be that it's their system one is coming into play they're not thinking slowly ha 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 and trying to figure out the answer you know they they they're answering based off intuition. So, yeah, that's pretty much it. It shows your two systems coming into play. Isn't it interesting? Like, I remember reading that and I was like, wow, no way. You know? <laughs> I, I mean, I think I definitely don't have the same reaction. I don't think it's not interesting, but I'm not like, oh, my God, tis lit, my broski. Yeah, bruv. This is so cool. This is like, it's like, okay, okay, thanks for the understanding. Have a nice day. Because yeah. you, you'll see, I think it's because we're still at the beginning. Like, I'm talking about these two systems, and you're kind of trying to figure out where I'm going with this, right? You're like, why is the, knowing these two systems important? Why am I putting, like, half an hour into trying to understand it? It's yeah. because it gets really interesting when we put into play the whole rest of the book, right? The premise uh -huh. of it is talking about fallacies and biases in our day-to-day -day lives and okay. how we can try to, like, prevent biases and fallacies coming into play you know yes i know okay so i'll give you another example this Maybe. time there's no math in it okay it's all no like math. verbal no all math verbal. and again try to determine the answer quickly and don't think too much about it just based off intuition okay are you ready i'm ready all right so all roses are flowers some flowers fade quickly. Therefore, some roses fade quickly. Is this statement valid? Well, yes. If you think about it quickly, yes, it is valid. Why? Well, you said... Wait, wait, wait. You said all roses are flowers? Yeah. Then... Some flowers some fade flowers quickly? fade quickly. Yeah. And then you said the whole thing of... Do rose, so will some roses fade? Yes, because they are flowers, right? Right. But why is this argument wrong? Like, if you had to use your system to, to answer this, why is it wrong, the statement? Mm, well, according to my calculonometrics of the flowerisms, and yes, um, I actually genuinely believe that I have no idea <laughs> and I'm stalling for time because I don't want to answer the question. Okay, well, what he's saying is, like, the argument is flawed because it is possible that there are no roses among the flowers that fade quickly. It's just that simple. Did you get that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he's just saying that it's possible that there, because he said some flowers can yes. fade, right? So that doesn't mean that they will fade. And yeah. it's possible that roses just don't fade at all. But exactly. That, that requires you to technically know that roses don't fade. Exactly. Oh my god, <laughs> that's so funny. But yeah, anyways. <laughs> that, and that, I'm trying to like figure out, right okay, when I edit this, how am I going to crop it out? <laughs> but don't crop it out. Just add it in and just be like, this right here is slow, th uh, fast thinking because, you know, I didn't message mm -hmm. precisely what was going to happen. And so, you know. Nice. Read it, didn't process it, and now here we are. Nice. Okay, so now we're going to spice it up a little. Um, we're going to talk about something called the associative machine. Why are you laughing like that? Is it because Ricky said something? He spanked his butt because I say, we're going to see your ass on the video. Oh, my God. You know, and then he just slapped his butt. That's pretty funny. But but you missed it. No clips I did. I'm busy looking at my notes, trying I to deliver see. content been, for you. You've been, like, reading my... Uh, you've been staring at your screen, right? And you've been reading, and I'm like, she's definitely not reading something on my face. So. I'm definitely not. I'm preoccupied with these sexy concepts that Kahneman <laughs> wrote in this fantastic book. Okay, that's honestly, was I think stop. I should go. On it, it's been Better quite. Stop. It's been a fun ride. You know, it's been longer than I expected. Um, yeah, thirty I minutes too long, honestly. Yeah, thirty-four point five minutes too long.
Yeah. I think I got to go now. Yeah. But too bad. You got to listen to this, okay? It gets interesting. <laughs> so I'm going to give you another experiment, I guess. Um, and it's something called, it's in the chapter, it's called the associative machine for those that are interested. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is the example, okay? Think of the word eat, like eating. Okay. Okay? And now I'm going to give you a word fragment, and I want you to tell me the first word you think of, okay? I'm going to drop it in the chat right here, and you tell me what's the English first word. I'm be like, eating. What's the first word that comes soup. up to mind? Soup. Right? Yeah, but it's soap, the end. <laughs> well, that's the thing. What if I told you the word was wash instead of eat? What would you most likely write? Soup. No, I'm kidding. Soap. <laughs> You don't drink your bath water, bro? <laughs> soup. Belle Delphine, what? Yeah. You, you don't do that? I, don't, I, I do that. I, I don't know what you mean. But what you think of is soap, right? If I started off and I said, think of the word wash, you would have most likely written soap, right? I actually thought of stop at first, so don't worry about it. Where the fuck is the T? S-O-P, you know, it was a mistake. It was an honest oh mistake. My God. But anyways, all this to say is that this example, we've learned it actually in one of the podcasts, and it's called priming. Do you remember that? Yeah, the thing the magicians do. What? Yeah, the thing where they just, they like, without knowing, you, you they make you stare, say, at the color yellow a bunch of different times, or they'll say... Oh. Something yeah. correlated to yellow, and then your brain is gonna naturally start thinking about yes. yellow. And so when you choose an answer, when you pick out of the nine colors he gives you, you're gonna be like, you know, I'm kind of feeling yellow today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's literally that. It's literally that. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad you remembered. Oh. Okay. Well, anyways, now, okay, That's this is the thing though. We learned priming. There's a step further actually to priming, and it's called the ideomotor motor sorry ideomotor effect and it's based off an experiment for those that are interested phoebe um i guess you could google it there's no like quick question here but i'll explain it quickly it's the same experiment was conducted by john barg at nyu and but this time he presented these words to students gray wrinkle forgetful and bald you're gonna think old people you're gonna think old people right And funnily enough, what he found from this experiment is that those who had seen words suggesting age walked more slowly because unconsciously on like because of the words, they were displaying behavior of the elderly. Isn't that interesting? And it's called the Florida effect. Uh, Now I'm going to have to think about that when we talk about grandma, see if I start moving slower. I mean, I guess. I guess. Well, I have to, you know, I have to think about it. But then the thing is, if I think about it, I'm not going to do it, right? Mm-hmm. You won't, well, if you think about it, well, what's nice about this is that while I was reading it and he was telling us all about, like, fallacies, biases, all these effects, I feel like I've become more self-conscious of my behavior. Like, if I do something, I try to think about it a little and I'm like, hmm, what type of behavior am I displaying? You know? Stupidity. Stupidity. Hmm. What's new? Hmm. Mm-hmm. But, okay. So, you know, these are examples and experiments that he discussed in the book. And the reason why he spoke about it is it ties back to the two systems that we were talking about, right? One, intuitive, quick. The other one, more rational, slow thinking. And the reason why he brings this up is that the reason why it's important to be aware of these two systems is because we're prone to biases and fallacies. So some notable ones that, you know, a lot of business students obviously know, things like confirmation bias. Do you know about this one, the confirmation bias? It's pretty much like when you look for certain things that confirm your own beliefs and values. So instead of looking at the big picture, you'll just focus on information that reinforces. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the confirmation bias. There's one, though, that I found really interesting. That's called the exaggerated emotional coherence, which is also known as the halo effect. So I'll give you an example that he discussed in the book. So let's say you meet a woman named Joan at a party. 
And your impression of her, Joan. Yeah, like Indiana Jones, but J-O-A-N. Joan yeah, of Arc, said, but Oh, yeah. yeah, Joan of Arc. Why yeah. did I complicate Let's, this? Indiana Jones, yeah. Indiana Jones, but not spelled like Jones, Indiana Jones. But, okay, so let's say you meet a woman called Joan at a party, and you find her personable and easy to talk to. Uh-huh. So someone else comes up to you, and her name, Joan, comes up in th- this discussion, and this person asks you if you think Joan would contribute to charity. What okay. would be your reaction? Actually, I'm curious. What would be your reaction? Can we say the part before the charity part again? Okay, so you met a woman called Joan. Joan. And you vibe with her. You like her. You know, she's personable and she's easy to, easy to talk to. She's You like her. And then someone random comes up to you and says, would Hey, would Joan donate, contribute to charity? Like, is she that type of person? What would you say? So by default, because I like her, I'd probably say yeah. Yes, exactly. And that's the halo effect. And it's interesting because what do you know about her generosity? You know absolutely nothing. nothing. You just know that she's agreeable and you vibe with her and, you know, she's a nice person. But because you like generosity and generous people and you like Joan, you associate generosity and Joan. So you believe Joan is generous. And because now that you I believe... I like dumb people. I like you. Aw. You like me? <laughs> Just, like you called me dumb and all I got from it was, yeah, Oh, you like me? Fast <laughs> thinking went uh, went hard and rational thinking went real bad. It was it was a joke. That was, that was yeah, the yeah, joke. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. But, you know, this is where it gets really, really interesting with the halo effect though. So... Because you like Joan, because you like genera- generous people, by association, you think she's generous. Now, because you believe Joan is generous, you like her even more than you did earlier because you added generosity to her pleasant attributes. So it's like a vicious cycle. You know what I mean? Yeah, where you, you continue stacking good things on somebody because you like them. But you actually don't really know anything about them. Exactly. Damn, my phone, my bad. Okay, I'm boring you to sleep. I know this book is very textbooky, but I remember reading it and I was like, whoa, this is this is so fun. Let me take notes. Oh, I actually why? took notes on this book because it was just that fun. I feel like you take notes of every book that you like. Let's not act like you don't. Okay, that's true. That's true. I'm literally reading a script with notes about this book. Yeah. I popped off though. Like there's like 50 pages of notes in this for this book. Yeah, I actually all right, talk. see you guys next month. We'll I'm not going it. through all of them. I told you, I'm skipping like ha- the second half of the book because yeah, it's just like too said much. You're only going through one, two. Yeah. So, anyway, save it for Kevin. Kevin needs this. No, actually, like I'd be down to do a part two of this, but I, I think I'm gonna skip because, like, the second part, like I said, it's too much stats, too much math. It's hard to to grasp in a podcast, but. You know, anyway, so we spoke about the halo effect. We spoke about confirmation bias. Do you know of this other one called overconfidence bias? Is it Christopher? Yeah, it's Christopher. I don't. Yeah, that's I all I need to know. Really. I know of it all too you well. Know it. You know, know it. You know it. I'm going to skip well. this. You know this. You know it. I've um, lived through this every day. Pretty much, yeah, you do. Ain't okay. that right, sauce? Is that the name of your teddy bear? Yeah, Piri Piri. Piri Piri? Like, yeah, his Piri name's, Chicken? Well, her name's Piri, but I call her Piri Piri Sauce. Nice. I like that. Piri Piri Sauce is so bomb, too. Okay, anyways. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> okay, this is another bias. It's actually incredibly important. It's very highlighted in this, uh, very highlighted. It's highlighted in this book, and it's called the anchoring bias. Do you know about this? No, that one, no. Okay, so I'm going to give you a scenario then. Scenario. Okay, if I were to tell you, um, is the height of the tallest redwood tree more or less 1,200 feet? What would be your best guess about the height of the tallest redwood tree? I have no idea. Like what? Based off instinct, like the intuition. More what would you say it is? More than 120 feet the tallest? More or less. 1200 feet what would you guess is the height of the tallest redwood tree 
random number intuition like nothing like crazy 1200 feet let's go you say 1200 feet right okay but wow. what if i said is the height of the tallest redwood tree more or less 180 feet what would you say no what would you say that your best guess about the height of the tallest redwood tree? What would it be? Well, if I said it was 1,200 feet and then you're saying it's 180 feet, then I'd be like, no, you're wrong. Why? Because I said 1,200 feet. What do you believe, though, is the tallest, the, the height of the tallest I, redwood tree? That's the thing. I have no belief. I don't <laughs> right? I don't know what the tomes would know what's funny? Tree. I don't even know what a redwood tree is. I won't lie to you, okay? Like, you're putting me on it's the fine. spot. No, no, no. You're scorching me on a barbecue right now. No, no, no. It's perfectly fine because you know why I laughed? When you gave me the answer, it was so clearly the anchoring bias. I actually laughed out loud. But essentially what happens is, you know the 1,200 feet and the 180 feet? You don't know what the fuck a redwood tree is. I don't know what it is either. But you based your answer off what was given in the question, right? Yeah. Because you assume, like, it must be right if it's in the question. Or you have no knowledge anyways about a tree. So you just used whatever was provided to you without knowing if it's accurate information or not, right? Yeah. And that's called an anchoring bias. You used an anchor to give an answer. And this is what's funny. Like, this, these questions that I'm asking you, was part of an experiment. And funnily enough, what the experiment, the results of the experiments were is in the first question, when the first group of people were asked about the 1,200 feet, the mean guess answer was 844 feet, which is relatively close to 1,200 feet, right? It's not that far off. Whereas the second group, when they answered the 180 feet, their answer was 282 feet. So they got a lot of feet diff. A huge feet diff between, yeah. you know, 282. And that's what we call anchoring. So you based your decision off what was given to you, an anchor, in the question. So, you know, that's why I, I thought it was so funny when you, when you told me no, 180 feet is incorrect because I told you 1,200. Like, you clearly the, the, used 1,200 the, the, the as an anchor. I, I panicked extra because I was just there, and I was like, she's doing, like, one of these experiment things, so I have to answer accordingly, right? And then you said, think fast, Stevie, think fast. And you yeah. said, the 1,200 feet, and then you said 180. And I was like, I was going to, I was so ready to be like, sure, 180, <laughs> let's go with that. Yeah, because you know I don't know anything, but then you're just saying, you're like, fast. Well, no. I, I... Even if you said yes to 180 feet, it would have still been an anchoring bias because regardless yeah. of your answer, you're basing it off the figure that I gave you in the question. Yeah. So that's why I thought it was like, it didn't matter what your answer was because I knew that you'd be prone to an anchoring bias. And so am I and so is everyone else, you know? The whole point of this book is to be aware of it so that when you make decisions, you think slowly and you engage your system too instead of focusing on intuition, right? So that's the um, anchoring bias. Yeah. Um, there's other theories that are mentioned in this book that are really interesting. You know, prospect theory, if you're in finance, you know what that is. Um, I feel like, should I talk about it? I'm not in finance. Okay, I'll talk about it then. So, no, no, no. It's actually interesting. It's interesting. I'll, I'm, I'm asking you a question, too. So I'm engaging you in this. It's not fully a lecture anymore. So prospect theory is also known as the loss aversion theory. And this is the scenario that I'm going to give you, okay? So let's say I offer you to play a game with me, you know, squid game vibes. And the game is this. We're going to flip a coin. And if you win, I'll give you $1,000. But if you okay. lose, you'll give me $1,000. No. Would you play the game? Me, myself, no. No, right? I wouldn't either. No. So let me change the rules of this game. Now you're going to give me more money, and I'm going to give you less. 
You'll see. So let's change the rules. Vibe check. We're changing Vibe it. Check. So this time, if you win, I'll give you 1.1K. But if you lose, you'll give me 1K. Okay. Would you play that game? If we're thinking like Kevin, free lunch, 100% I'm in the game. There's nothing free in this, though. You, you're giving There's, me $1,000. But, you know, he's giving you 1100 That's 60K plus free lunch right there. That's true. Prior to that, that was 80K. You, Penelope, Prior would you me, play the game? Me, Penelope, probably not. No, right? If I have to put something at stake that's that high, I would be like, no. No, exactly. Okay. Now, we're going to change the rules up again. Let's say if you win... I'll give you $2,000. But if you lose, you'll give me 1000 Would you play that game? Me, Penelope, would not play the game because Penelope is broke. You have a 50-50 chance, though. I'll give you See, 2K. See, that's the thing. That's the thing. If I was somebody else... I'd probably be like, oh, they'll give me double the money if I win. So even if I lose, I don't really lose that much. At the end of the day, I just have to win one time on them. Mm -hmm. And I get my money back, plus mm -hmm. interest. So mm -hmm. realistically, people would probably be like, sure, bet, let's play. But me, Penelope, no. If you had $1,000, okay, would you play this All game? right, Penelope would down on it. Right? Would you play on the other one, the other scenario I told you about, where you only make 100 with a 50-50 chance? You know, I've been really into gambling on GTA these days. So low-key, I would. Mm -hmm. Realistically, if this was real-life money, no. Okay. So you see, this is what's interesting. This is literally prospect theory that I'm giving you right here. It's you put more value into losing money than gaining money. You care more about losing than winning money. You know, and that's literally prospect theory. And he talks about it hugely in depth in this book because, I mean, if you're, let's say, in the field of business, like it's important to be aware of. But that's like an overview, really, of prospect theory. If you're interested and you want to know more about it, I, I guess you could Google it. But also, like, this book is really interesting and I recommend it a lot. But, okay, this is going to be the last one that I'm going to talk about. And then we'll call it a day for this podcast because... There's a lot of content, but it's called the base rate fallacy. And this was actually something new. I never learned this in school. Um, and I remember reading it and I was like, no way. So interesting. But I'm God, sure I'm everyone else is it. like, oh, my God. Wow. Everyone's like, everyone else is like, God, I don't want to hear this. When is it going to yeah. end? Can I fast forward? Okay. So I'm going to give you another scenario. Okay. I feel like scenarios are probably easier to explain it to. But anyways, okay? Yeah. So there's a person called Steve. Steve. And Steve is shy. Shy Steve. Is Steve most likely to be a salesperson or a librarian? What would you say? By default, you would say librarian here. Why? Well, that's just because... Um, I feel like we associate libraries with quiet people. Also, salespersons, we associate them as vocal people because they have to sell a product to you, mm -hmm. so they have to talk to you. But if you think about it realistically, librarians also have to talk to people, right? Mm -hmm. They also have to do a lot of socialization. You know, people come in the store every day. They have to say where books are and things like that. But I think it's just how we associate certain careers to cer certain attitudes or things like that. Right? But this is the correct answer. The correct answer is Steve is most likely a salesperson. Why do you think Steve is most likely a salesperson? If you had to, like, think about it rationally. If you don't know, I'll tell you the answer, and then you'll be like, oh, that makes sense. Salesperson as in, like, door-to-door -door or, like, inside of facility salesperson. answering phone call? Salesperson. Mm. I don't know. I'll tell you. How many salespeople are there in, let's say, America versus librarians? 
Right? It's obvious, right? More, yeah. There's a lot more salespeople than librarians. So, statistically, Steve is most likely a salesperson just because there's way more. There's a bigger population than for librarians. So, it makes sense, right? Yeah. And this is what the Bay Street fallacy is. It's that when provided with both individuating information, which is specific to a certain person or event, and base rate information, which is objective statistical information, we tend to assign greater value to the specific information and often ignore the base rate information altogether. So you associate stereotypes instead of thinking statistically and logically um, when providing an answer, right? And I'll give you another example of this too. You're in New York City and you're taking the New York subway. And you see a person reading the New York Times on the subway. Which of the following is a better bet about the reading stranger? She has a PhD. She does not have a college degree. She has a PhD because reading newspapers is usually for quote-unquote people that seem educated. Right? But now, if you use the answer from the librarian, you know, the thing earlier, what would be the correct answer in this case? The other one. Why? I feel like there's more people without a PhD than there is with a PhD. That's true. That's true. That's a that's actually a good that's a good answer. But also if you use the subway in the context too, is that there are many more non graduates that take the metro versus uh. graduates. Right? But you got the logic, like you're thinking more rationally now, you know? And that's an example of a base rate fallacy. And lastly, I'll give you one last one. And this one is a base rate fallacy, but it's also called a conjunction fallacy. It's kind of like a, a sub of base rate fallacy. And it's, there's a whole chapter dedicated to it, which is called Linda, less is more. So I'll give you a TLDR pretty much of this scenario. So there's a young woman named Linda who's 31 years old, single, outspoken, and very bright. She majored in philosophy. As a student, she was deeply concerned with issues of discrimination and social justice and also participated in anti-nuclear demonstrations. Demonstration, sorry. Is Linda a bank teller? Or is Linda a bank teller and is active in the feminist movement? What would you say Linda is? Okay, wait, she's outgoing in what? She's 31 years old, 31 single, years single, outspoken, and smart. She majored in philosophy, and she cares deeply about discrimination and social justice issues. She's she a social part- justice warrior. She's at SJW. Yeah. Now, so the other one, where she goes to defend the rights and all. So you would say Linda's a bank teller and an activist in the feminist movement, right? Yeah. Why is that answer wrong? If you had to use your system too to think about it. So the first option is just bank teller. She's a bank the teller. second option is... Uh-huh, bank teller and activist. Activist? Oh. Damn, I'm really boring you, huh? <laughs> No, 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 no. I love how you're like, damn, this is so boring. And here I am like, this is the most interesting book I've ever read in my life. It's just because I woke up literally like for this, right? So that's why to me it's like I'm yawning a lot. I'm not actually like tired and going to go back to bed. It's just physically, you know? But um, why is it wrong? Yeah, why is it wrong? If you don't know, I'll tell you the answer. And then you'll be like, oh, that makes sense. Allow me to think. It's similar to what we said earlier. I'll give you a hint. It's similar to what we said about sales. the salesperson, Steve, being a librarian or a salesperson. So you're and, saying that yes. there's less activists than there is of other people. That's not what I'm saying. But you're, okay, clo- you you're saying? getting closer to the answer. What are you saying? Tell me. So the answer is the odds of Linda being a bank teller 
just a bank teller, is way higher than Linda being a bank teller and an activist. Right? The only reason why you said Linda is a bank teller and an activist is because I provided you background information. You know, she's a SJW, she's 31, she's majored in philosophy, blah, blah, blah. I told you all that background info and it affected your answer, right? And pretty much what the conjunction fallacy is about is that the reason so many people get the Linda problem wrong lies in our tendency to conflate plausibility with probability. So it's plausible that she's an activist and a bank teller, but probability-wise, like if you think of it on a statistical point of view, the odds of her just being a bank teller are way higher, right? So that's another example of the fallacy that's discussed in the book. And there's so many more of these biases and fallacies that he talks about. And I feel like you become a lot more aware, aware. of these biases and fallacies in your day-to-day life, not only with your surrounding, but also with yourself. And that's why I think this book, it is very textbooky, but you learn so much through this. And it's my favorite book. Just like all the other ones, but this one yeah, I just really like recommend. All the other ones. I Are really you? recommend this. It's so interesting. And you come out. I I came out of this like after reading it, I was like, damn, I'm so smart. I didn't I learn shit. Yeah. I think the thing is you really have to take notes of it though. Like yes. we've been talking about them for sure. If you bring back the examples, I'll know the answer. Can I remember all of them just like now? No. I remember mm-hmm. the last few he talked about just because they're fresh out of my memory. But then the first few we talked about, I'm kind of, like, losing touch with them. Yeah. Like, I can't remember what the name of it was. Can't exactly remember the theme of it unless you give me an example of it. So I think it's really important that if you do decide to read the book to actually, like, sit down, maybe take some notes here and there. So you can actually remember whatever you value as important, but also so that you're just aware of other things. You don't have to necessarily be super knowledgeable in them, but just have awareness of it. Yeah. Well, well, that's what I mean. Like when I say this book is textbooky, like I really mean you have to, you can't just like skim through it because you're not going to remember anything. And every part adds on to each other. If you don't fully grasp part one about the two systems, when we talk about biases, you're not going to fully get it. You'll know what a confirmation bias is, but you won't understand how it comes into play with your two systems, system one and system two. Right. So, and it accumulates. So, this is a book where you really have to sit down and, you know, I have 50 pages worth of notes. I did pop off, I'll admit. Yeah. I didn't have to do that. You don't need to write 50 pages worth of notes to get this book. But I just truly love this book and I learned a lot that I just did it for funsies, not for like funsies. the other girls. <laughs> but, yeah, that was pretty much what I wanted to talk about today. There's a lot more, but... You know, I one hour is enough. for another time or, yeah, or you could just try to entice people to read it themselves to, yeah, if I think, they want to hear the other part that's also as interesting or even more. Mm-hmm. But, you know, all this to say, Phoebe, what did we learn today? I learned that it is important to use both, um, parts major parts of your system system one and system two because system one allows you to miss a lot of things if you use it individually system two if you use it individually then you're going to miss a lot of you're also going to miss a lot of opportunities or you're just going to get yourself into bad situations because you need to be able to think fast certain times and the reason why it's important to use both is because it allows you to come to a better answer I feel like it's more of um you can't use both it's one or the other but system one is more both I don't mean like at the same time I mean like just in general like it's it's important to use to have both in your life you can't just be like oh yeah I'm just gonna use system two forever like you need your fight or flight Mm -hmm. but you also need to sit down and be like hey if if this is a math problem and I just read it the first time. Don't answer it, like, so simply. Actually, like, take time to consider and be like, hey, maybe this is what I'm seeing, actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know? Fact check yourself. 
Yeah, exactly. And just knowing when to apply which system to what scenario. And sometimes it's not even conscious, like driving. When you drive, you're not thinking about rationally driving. It's automatic. Well, you think rationally at first, right, where you're there and you're like, I have to make a turn here, I have to turn on my blinker. But that's yeah. also because you're not used to it. Exactly. But over time, it becomes part of your fast Automatic. You just adapt, yeah. Exactly. So, you know, there's certain times where it's not conscious. You just do it because you know that you have to do it. You don't have to trigger a system two to be able to drive because you've been driving for years now, you know, things like that. So, you know, that's pretty much the premise of the book. I hope that you guys, it sparked some interest for people. I know it was very, it sounded like I was giving a lecture and I really didn't want to do that. But this book is just, it's so good. Everyone has to read it. Don't lie. It sounds like you wanted to start this the lecture. You said this is a textbook. You said it's gonna sound like a lecture, and uh, but I really want to talk about the book. So you know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I it's went okay, to. You warned everyone. You said if I'm you really a hypocrite. No, you said to everyone. You gave them a fair warning. Where you said if this is gonna be textbooky, it's gonna be a lecture. If you're not interested in that, then you know you don't have to watch this episode. So. That's true. I came in prepared. That's true. Unless they were using their fast thinking and they skimmed over that and they didn't realize you said that. But even then, uh, yeah, like as they were multitasking or something. If you didn't listen, I honestly, you're missing out. Okay, you're missing out. You're missing out. If you skip this, you know, you could skip this episode because it's textbooky. But also, if you skip this episode, you're kind of lame. I'll say it. You're lame. Ooh, she said it. You're <laughs> I lame, said it. Bro. Yeah, I said it. But, you know, thank you guys for listening. I hope that you guys learned something or sparked an interest in this book. And even, let's say, if we spoke about things today and you don't end up reading the book, like just going online and Googling it, you know, I hope that at least it had some sort of impact on someone. Mm. So. Thanks, you guys, for listening. Peace out. Have a nice day or night or afternoon or morning. Peace out.